Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. So if you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, surgeries, and exercise. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and consult your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You all know how much we love ProCare. We talk about them all the time, pretty much in every episode we record. Pretty much. So we are really, really excited to announce. They're sponsoring the podcast. Yay! Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> and we truly believe in their product because we take them every single day. I take their one-a-day capsule. Yes. And I take their one-a-day chewable. It's freaking delicious. And not only do they have multivitamins, but they have calcium chews. Yeah. Delicious calcium chews. The salted caramel is to die for. Oh, and the cinnamon roll guys tastes like a cinnamon roll mm. oh my god they also have dinner mint but mm. our favorite favorite yes. is a dark chocolate for two reasons one you can have it at nighttime for a treat mm-hmm. or make a s'more out of it we've done it freaking bomb how cool is that so go now to procarenow.com and use code oslp for 10 percent off all righty now go now what are you waiting for go get your vitamins yeah Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to our Sleeve Life podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Mel. And we are super excited for today. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We have another weight loss surgery surgeon. Yeah, bariatric surgeon in the house. In the house while over Zoom. Yeah, eventually we'll have in studio. That'd be cool. One of these days. We'll just... Hit all of the surgeons on Seriously. our road trip slash tour. Yeah. Coming your way, guys. Think about very it. Very soon. Um, so we just want to introduce you guys to Dr. Burkadal. I said it correctly, right? <laughs> Perfect. Yay. Well, I'm going just Christian is just fine with me. <laughs> all right. We we it's feel hard like to do you've, that. you've earned your doctor title. So we like to use it. That's okay. <laughs> Christian is much easier. I'm fine with that. Okay. okay. Well, we've got Christian in over Zoom. Yeah. And so welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Yay. Um, and this is your first ever podcast, which... First ever podcast. You got it. We are so excited to be your first. Yeah. Tell us, you know, where you're from. Um, why are you even in surgery? And how'd you get into bariatric surgery? Mm-hmm. I was born in Copenhagen, Denmark. Oh, okay. Family immigrated to Birmingham, Alabama when I was eight. So both my parents were research scientists. So they worked at University of Alabama in Birmingham. Wow. Grew up there. Um, always knew when I had my first career aspiration was joining the NBA. Oh. Unfortunately, I stopped growing at about five foot 11 and I can't jump and I'm slow. <laughs> well, that kind of so, takes care of that. Yeah, yeah, I take care of that. So surgery was the backup plan. Okay. Um, I knew I wanted to get away from home for a while. I knew I was going to go back there for medical school. So I went to Florida State for undergrad. Okay. Go Seminoles. Almost pulled that out against Notre Dame this weekend. But, um, <laughs> met my wife there. Got married after uh, after college. Went back to Birmingham, did my four years of medical school, then my five years of surgery residency. Wow. And then moved back to Florida after that and have been in Florida ever since. What do you like most about Florida? Uh, That I can do outdoor activities year round. Ah, nice. Nice. That's a good one. There's 
there's rarely a day where you can't get outside and run or swim or take the kids to the park or do something else, uh, you know, fun and then outside. So. That's awesome. I know. That's the one thing that sucks about Oregon is that, like, there's so many. I mean, it's beautiful here, but there's, like, sections of just, like, you don't you just don't leave your house. Yeah, because <laughs> so. it's it's raining. It's, it's raining pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And the seasonal depression is real over here. So uh, yes. I yes. totally wish I could have had I could have a place to stay that's like that all the time. Yeah, we enjoyed Florida so much when we went. Oh yeah. It's so hot. Like it's just it's just nice. You get that like true vitamin D. Vitamin yeah. D. yeah. Yeah. Yes, that we do. we do not get that in Oregon year round. No, no. <laughs> no. They actually say that we all, everybody in the Northwest has to take a vitamin D supplement because there's not enough that comes out. So, oh, yep. Well, I'm not taking one, so I should probably look into that. It's probably in your bariatric vitamin. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then yes, I am. I say it should be in your bariatric vitamins for sure. Okay, yeah, that's then a staple. I'm good on that. Yeah, that's I'm like good a on that. that's yeah. like a must. It's like B12. Like you gotta have. Yeah. We, we take the pro care and I know that they are really good about making sure you have all your bariatric vitamins in order. Yeah. All the levels. Yeah. yeah that's a good product. So, oh my gosh, it so is like I, I took a lot of vitamins before that and none of them quite worked for me. But then when we started uh, getting the, bar- the pro care ones, mm-hmm. it was just like whole different world. Oh, I can tell yeah. when I'm not, when I don't have my vitamins now. It's yep. like for reals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what interested you about what? How did you get into bariatric surgery? I guess yeah. that's would be my well, first. I did my residency in general surgery, which is kind of a big box of things. Trauma to anything in the abdomen, gallbladders, hernias, colon cancers, okay. breast cancer, skin cancers. Wow. So there's a whole lot of different things there. Um I had a partner in Tallahassee where I started my practice who did a lot of bariatric surgery, mm. um, learned from him. And really, you know, if I take out somebody's appendix, their gallbladder, mm-hmm. they're happy that we relieve them of the acute problem, but there's no real long-term relationship. Oh, yeah. You made a difference in the acute, took care of the pain or the acute problem, mm-hmm. took out the colon cancer, breast cancer, but really from a long-term patient standpoint, you fix the problem, which they're happy with, but then the relationship is more or less over. The cancer patients we see back you know, up to five years, but uh, at that point, the relationship is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. The bariatric patients, you get to know them. You get to know their dog. You get to know their grand, about their grandkids. You get to know their ups and downs because mm-hmm. you see them a lot before surgery. Mm-hmm. Then you do the surgery, and you've truly given them a tool to help them change their lives. Yeah. Um, to really to cut down on their diseases, to get off a lot of medicine, to be able to take their grandkids to Disney World and walk instead mm-hmm. of riding in a scooter, mm-hmm. to allow them to achieve the things that they thought they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to be there with them on the frustrating days too when they've tried to be their best and just <clears throat> didn't make the best decisions that past month and gained a few pounds. Yeah. You help them work through those problems and you see patients gain confidence and grow and really blossom into the person that has been there the whole time that is just with all the stigma associated with being overweight has just kind of gotten beaten down by society Mm. and now you just like you're unwrapping the package and this wonderful gift is inside 
Yeah, Aww, that's like perfect. That. Well, because we just talked about how like we feel like now like we were in like the like the grays a lot, and mm. then now we're seeing color for the first time. Yeah, like, it's like we're in Technicolor. Yeah, like we feel like we're alive. Mm-hmm. And before it was more or less like we were just zombies going through the motions. Well, and I mean, you talking right. about Disney World, like we when we were down in Florida, we did Universal and we yeah. did thirteen hours. Yeah, in yeah. Universal, there's no way we could have done that 125 pounds yeah. ago. Like, no, no way. 308 pounds was not going to do 13 hours at Universal. No, no. And fit into all those rides. <sighs> and, right. you know, you know, you would probably need a seatbelt extender on the plane. Oh, and that's like embarrassing. Sh- and then you're squished. And I would feel like shit the whole time. Yeah. 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 No. Be fun. No. So that really hits home. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things. And it seems like you really connect with your patients. Yes. And it's more rewarding overall to see that it certainly is good i'm really glad yeah that makes me feel that i like that you're you're passionate about it and it's about the patience Mm -hmm. it's not you know it's it's not about the money or anything like that like it's just the patience and how rewarding it is to see them actually live their lives versus being i feel terrible for people who go to work every day and don't love what they do yes Mm -hmm. yes it's such a rewarding career that no matter what you do, if you have passion and purpose in what you do and you're trying to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're just going through the motions and just doing something for money or for fame or for glory, whatever else you're missing out on all the joys that are there. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Seriously. Cause this is our passion project. This is our passion. And this gives us like energy and light every day. Mm-hmm. So I've literally like I wake up and that's the first thing I'm like doing is that it's like I live, eat and breathe our sleep life podcast. It's <laughs> it's, it's constantly right in the front of our brains. Yeah. So because well, that, that shows through in what you guys do. Oh, you know, thank you. We, we talked a little bit before, mm-hmm. you know, we're making it strongly suggestive on our patients to listen to your podcast because you guys bring a different perspective than what I can tell the patients. I've not had bariatric surgery, so I can't walk in your shoes, mm-hmm. but you guys do provide such wonderful information in such an entertaining way <laughs> with your personal stories and everything else that every patient is going to bond with you and say, yeah, I know. I, I feel the same way or I haven't experienced that yet, but I'll watch out for that. And that may be coming down the road, mm-hmm. you know, so it's wonderful what you ladies do. Uh, we, we appreciate that so much. When you told us that, like, you have people that's highly suggested, we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is crazy. That's, I mean, that's why we did this mm-hmm. is so that we could yeah. connect with the, with other patients yep. and we could interact with this bariatric community because there's so much information out there that is not – I don't think it's, it's absorbed in the right – in it's not absorbed – when you get it from your doctor. Yeah, it's very clinical. No. It's yeah, yeah, it's very clinical. It's, it's, so yeah. it's absorbed differently yeah. when you listen to it on a podcast yes. where two people that have had the surgery can talk about it and it, it's more relatable. I guess that's the word yeah, I'm looking yeah. for. More Absolutely. Relatable. Absolutely. And you can save those podcasts and then down the road when you face a challenge, remember, wait a minute. I remember they talked about this mm-hmm. six months ago. Let me go back and find that podcast episode. And see how they mm-hmm. handle. Yeah, um, you can listen to it over and over and over again, and you can forward the podcast to your friends or mm-hmm. family or whoever. Yeah, we have or a lot of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we have patient or other 
we have followers that get a hold of us and they're like, I've I've shared you guys all over the Facebook groups and I've told my doctor, my surgeon about you or my dietitian or my therapist. <laughs> and we had one follower that listened to our podcast in their therapy appointments. Yeah. So that they could make she could make sure that they talked about the things that we talked about. And it was really I was just like, wow, that's crazy. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Because when we started this, we were like, if we help one person, we're we're golden. We're we did our job and we're helping a lot more than that. Heck, yeah. I think like yes, I think with Viet, like having weight loss surgery, like because it does make you more like awake and aware mm-hmm. of everything. Like I think now everybody can stop worrying about you know, being bigger. Cause I know for me, when I leave the house, like it was high anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, am I going to fit into this booth? If we're going to dinner, if mm-hmm. we're going to the theater, do I fit in the seat? Mm-hmm. One time we went and saw the movie and literally like my arm got caught, caught underneath, like where the, when the bathroom stall, like mm. where they, where the toilet paper is. And it's because I was way too big, <laughs> like yep. looking back and it's like now all those like anxiety and insecurities are gone. And now you can be more awake and aware and kind of figure out what is your real passion? Mm-hmm. Cause it could yeah. be personal training. It could be actually going back to school and going, being a doctor. Like yeah. you yeah. hear all the fun things. I, that's one thing I like about this community for yeah. sure. I mean, I never thought in a million years I would be running a podcast. No. At all. Like, <laughs> that crazy. was not even in my realm of thought. And Mm-mm. then now it's like, we get to do this really cool job. Yeah. And it's, we're passionate about it. So, so. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So we had, we want to talk a little bit more about those statistics of really? weight loss surgery. Yeah. So what are some kind of top statistics that, that are really kind of eye-opening for patients that come and see you? Well, I guess the number one is the mortality rate. Mm-hmm. You know, the chance of dying young for the obese patients is somewhere between 30 and 45, 50%. Wow. Holy moly. That is from all the medical issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, fatty liver. You know, there are so many medical issues, sleep apnea. There are so many medical issues that go along with being overweight. Mm-hmm. Add all those together. And patients die much younger if they're obese than if they're of normal weight. Mm. Now, the the number one cause of cirrhosis in the United States nowadays is fatty liver from being overweight. Wow. Oh, shit. I didn't even not, think. Not alcohol, dead. not, not uh, hepatitis anymore. Wow. So, yeah, my dad had a cirrhosis of the liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's not good. That's, that's kind of scary because I know I had a fatty yeah. liver. Mm-hmm. Didn't you mm-hmm. have a fatty liver? She just she said my liver was fine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought you had said that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> my brother did. That's oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's did. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, my that. brother did. Because yeah. my, even my brother had uh, surgery, too. So, yeah. Um, I kind of want to touch base on sleep apnea. Because I hear a lot of people that say they have it but won't use the machine. Can yeah. we go in and maybe can you describe to them why is it so important for one to use the machine and what is really happening if you don't use the machine? Well, sleep apnea basically apnea means pause or pausing breathing. So basically what's happening is at night the patients are not breathing adequately, so they're not oxygenating their brain the way it's supposed to be oxygenated. Okay. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That affects your body in so many ways. First of all, your body repairs itself at night. You need a good night's sleep 
in order to heal from all the emotional, physical, psychological stress that you put it under during the day. Um, Exercise, you lose weight at night. Um, Exercise, the benefits of exercise, gaining muscle happens at night when the body repairs itself. So if you're not sleeping well, you don't repair your body. There are many studies that show, for example, that uh, people who work at night tend to be much heavier than people who work during the day. Because night... People who work at night tend to go home and sleep a couple hours, get up and do things, get a mm-hmm. nap here for 30 minutes, get a nap there for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to get a good seven or eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My apnea effect. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say my my ex-husband, he worked at night mm-hmm. and it was the same thing. He would He would work for, you know, he would sleep for like an hour during the night and then he would get up and he finished his job and then he would come home, sleep for like three or four hours, get up for a little bit. And I remember Mel saying that people that do that die a lot sooner because they're stressing their body out. So it's the same type of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With sleep apnea, because you're stressing your body out by not getting all the oxygen Uh it needs. Okay. So a lot of times with the sleep apnea patients, their oxygen saturation is dropping down to the 60s and 70%. Normally, it's 95 or percent or higher. Oh. So you're not oxygenating your body. You're not oxygenating your brain. And that has long-term consequences on your heart and the rest of the organs in the body. Wow. Wow. The way you treat it is, one, weight loss. Right. A lot mm-hmm. of patients who have sleep apnea lose their excess weight, and they don't have sleep apnea anymore. So it is, for the most part, a correctable disease once you lose weight. Okay, nice. Now there's there's a, uh, one type also that is basically in the brain. The brain doesn't really give you the stimulus to breathe at night. Mm. That is a very small percentage of sleep apnea patients, and that does not go away with losing weight. But the 85 to 90% of the patients, sleep apnea goes away once they've lost the weight. Good. Okay. Good, good, yeah, good. Because I was one that I had sleep apnea and mm-hmm. it's gone now. So, I mean, I, I don't sleep any better, but, you <laughs> yes. know, I try. Yes. I try every night. <laughs> she does. She does. Oh, my goodness. You know, 3 a.m., I'm up, ready to go. <laughs> well, there's a small percentage of patients who, uh, you know, their body, their body is wired for five, six hours of sleep instead of the, you know, seven, eight hours that. A lot of patients get okay. I'm honestly the same way. Okay. I'll typically sleep five or six hours a night, but I go to bed when I'm tired, wake up when I'm rested. I hmm. can't make myself sleep longer than I sleep. Is that something you know? that can change after surgery? So like, say you, you're a big sleeper before, and then once you've had surgery, you, you just need less sleep. Um, I've not seen any data okay. on that line or any research. Okay. But it certainly would make sense. You know, you're needing, if you're getting quality sleep, you're healing your body in less time than if you're getting not good sleep. So um, it certainly, you know, would make sense that it's going to be that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was a big sleeper before. Yeah. I slept fine before. And then after surgery is when I started waking up at 2, 3 a.m., just ready to go <laughs> your body's like hi it's time yeah. to wake yeah. up it's time to do stuff <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah so i have my coffee i do all my things <laughs> i don't have anybody bugging me <laughs> yeah and there's no one awake about that you're no, supposed to be asleep no, i'm a weirdo <laughs> oh, i, I completely boy. understand that <laughs> going grocery shopping at walmart at 
three o'clock in the morning, there's no one there. You don't have to wait in the line. Yep. True. Very I've, true. I've done it. Advantages to it. I've yes. We have so. Winco here and it's 24 okay. hours and yeah. it's the same thing. Like there's just boxes yeah. in the aisle because they're restocking everything, but it, like you zoom through there because nobody's in your yeah. way. Oh, yeah. You're in and yeah. out in 20 minutes. It's amazing because yeah. I had to work for a while. Like um, every three months, my actual, what does that call my schedule. schedule would change. And so it would be from 4.30 in the afternoon till 3.10 in the morning. So um, there's been times where I get off of work at 3.10 in the morning. And I'm like, I'm just going to go grocery shopping. Why even go home yet? Like yes. just pop over there, get it done, go home. And it was so much easier. Mm-hmm. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no one in your way. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So with the sleep apnea. So when, so say yeah. they have their their stuff that they do need. What is that? What is that actually doing to their body? Like, why is it so good to use the machine? Well, the machine is a positive pressure machine that basically blows oxygen in um, and basically makes sure they're getting adequate oxygenation throughout the night. Okay. Mm-hmm. It does make a lot of patients feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, it does take some time to kind of get used to it. Um, and obviously a properly fitted mask is better than a non-properly fitted mask, but um, it does bother a fair amount of patients. Now, a lot of patients, if you explain to them their health benefits in terms of lowering blood pressure and decreasing cardiac stress mm. and other things that treating sleep apnea does, a lot of them will make a very solid effort at it. But um, it is not a simple thing to deal with. When you travel, you got to bring your machine with you. Mm-hmm. You got to buy supplies for it. You got to clean it adequately. Um, it is, it's not just kind of a thing you just use, take a pill and forget about it. It's yeah. work on the patient's part. Yeah, oh. definitely. I know my, my boyfriend right now, he has a sleep apnea machine because he knows he just sleeps. He had weight loss surgery too, but he just knows that he sleeps better when he has it. So we took a trip to Wisconsin and it was my first like experience trying to go through security with a sleep apnea machine. Oh, that's funny. And uh, so we didn't know that it's easier if you just take it out of the bag. Oh, that makes like, sense. Just like a laptop. Yeah. And so we, yeah, we, we went through that. Oh, they the probably first. were like, what is this yeah. thing? Yep. And so they called him off to the side and they were like, okay, can you open this? And so then <laughs> after that, we knew. Okay, take, take it, it out. out of the bag. We're good. But yeah, I mean, he he's fine in every health wise. Ex- and but he just knows that he sleeps better with it on. So. Oh, yeah. My brother said if he feels amazing in the mornings, yes. like he says he's as full energy. He's and like, he it's ridiculous. Um, I don't know if he does any more. But the last time I talked to him. Yes, he did. OK, so, I don't know. Right. You know how my brother is. <laughs> He'll just Things be like, can change real quick. <laughs> yeah, so he could be like F that thing and then like throw it away. Like I could see him just get angry at it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, um, so what other um, benefits do patients see after they've had weight loss surgery? Diabetes is one of the big ones. Um, Diabetes tends to resolve very quickly um, with whatever weight loss uh, surgeries pick. There's some nuances in which surgery, um, but basically all of them will resolve most diabetes, along with a healthy diet, of course. Um, I was going to say, what's the reasoning behind that? Is it because they can't get the sugar anymore, so it's just like detoxing or...? Well, you're lowering the sugar intake, one, mm-hmm. and two, you're lowering the 
uh, amount of fat cells in the body or the amount of fat in those fat cells uh, in the body. So there's it's easier for the insulin to work okay. instead uh, of you know getting insulin resistance, which a lot of the overweight patients have, mm-hmm. where your body makes insulin, but it just is overwhelmed by the system to really function properly. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. okay. That's I didn't know that. I know that either. That's why I am. We're just learning all sorts of stuff on this <laughs> That's one. Why I have all the questions <laughs> I like to know. Exactly. Okay. So, so diabetes. Diabetes. Um, fatty liver, that goes away when they lose weight. Um and uh, some studies show that some of the first weight loss is out of the liver. So you're really helping your liver very quickly, especially in those initial couple months, they lose mm-hmm. a fair amount of weight out of their liver. Um, from a mental standpoint, mm-hmm. mental acuity and sharpness certainly goes up in patients. They feel like, you know, like the shade has been lifted off their head and they can think clearer mm-hmm. and have more energy, uh, are better able to deal with the stresses of life. Um, fertility issues, mm. a lot of women with PCOS, mm-hmm. as they lose weight, they're able to conceive a baby. Um, you know, awesome. it probably happens once or twice a year that somebody comes in for their six month appointment and say, guess what? We're like, you're pregnant. And like, how did you know? Like, yeah, that's about time. So, um, you know, we, we caution everyone to wait a year after, yeah. uh, weight loss surgery before trying to get pregnant. But mm. A lot of women haven't had regular cycles for a while, and then all of a sudden they start losing weight, the cycles normalize, and, oh, I didn't know that's when I was ovulating, and then you end up with a little extra surprise. Yeah. So, Why are we? Um, There's like... Heart disease obviously goes down. So. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so many, so many good benefits no matter which surgery you go yes. with. Um, yes. What are... What? Why would you point a patient into each, each surgery? What are some key points for each? Um, we basically do three uh, major surgeries. The okay. sleeve, the bypass, and uh, we're starting to do the duodenal switch. Oh, oh I want to know about that. We want to know about that one. <laughs> the sleeve is our primary operation for most patients. Um, patients who are not good sleeve candidates, one are patients who have gastroparesis. Gastroparesis means the stomach just doesn't really empty well. Oh, okay. Um, the nerve fibers in the stomach just don't push the food through the way it's supposed to. Okay. That can happen by itself or it can happen in long-standing diabetes. Oh. So if somebody's stomach doesn't work well, then a sleeve is not a great option for them in most cases. Now, would you find that out when you do the endoscopy? Or is- um, we typically find it out in our initial patient questionnaire. Okay. And then we talk to them, um, you know, what kind of symptoms are you having? You know, food coming up, food sitting in the stomach. They feel like it just doesn't empty. Mm. Um, a lot of acid reflux, things like that. Mm. That's a key that we look further, that we get endoscopy done, that we run some other tests. There's something called a gastric emptying study oh. that can really give us good data on how the stomach empties. Wow. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. So, it actually, you basically kind of swallow in a... Uh, egg sandwich and there's some nuclear tracer in the egg and okay. then the radiologist can watch it sit in the stomach and then see how fast it takes for it to empty out of the stomach oh so, that is rad 
I'm, you know, people talk about like the the government trying to like <laughs> chip us. I feel like if there was anything like you could totally do that. <laughs> you no, could chip Peter. right then. <laughs> no, 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 no. That technology does not exist. I currently. know, but I'm just saying people talk about it. So if there know, was an option, let's not even put that out there. <laughs> We all carry around the chip in our pocket and our cell phone and drive around you. the car with the GPS. So Thank they know you. where you're at anyway. That's what there, I say. So. Yeah, and there's I'm a computer thinking, in your car. If like, they're going to chip me, can they give me Spotify Premium oh at my least? God. Oh like, my God. that would be awesome. You're ridiculous. Placing <laughs> your head automatically. Yeah, exactly. I what I go. what I came up with when that whole conspiracy was coming about, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if that was a thing. Then when like I go to college. Instead of going to college, I just purchased this class and then just downloadable. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. That's that, that's my like want, but that is not going to happen in my time frame. <laughs> so this is totally off topic or like, you know, off of what we're talking about. But Limitless, that movie mm-hmm. where he like can read yeah. the book and then he like immediately knows exactly everything to do. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. No. Like. I want to do kickboxing. Without the side effects. (laughs) Without the side effects. That would be fantastic. So So know that if a genie asks you, like, your question or your whatever. Yeah, I want to be able to download information straight into my brain. And then say without side effects. Without side effects. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about the duodenal switch? Yes. So um, the duodenal switch is basically a sleeve first okay. and then we do that part of the beginning and then we go over and go just past the end of the stomach the stomach empties into the duodenum or duodenum we go three centimeters past where the stomach goes into the duodenum and you divide the duodenum there okay ah. then you go way downstream into the small intestine and reconnect the plumbing basically so that everything moves through again so basically you're creating some malabsorption along with a sleep. Okay. All right. Data shows that is the best operation for patients who are really bad diabetics. Oh. Oh. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Everything in the world is give and take. Right. Steve is the most straightforward, Mm -hmm. lowest risk, lowest long-term issues in terms of nutritional issues. Okay. Bypass more risk because you've got two reconnections and we're kind of rearranging the anatomy so you can have some consequences from that. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have to be much more careful that you get adequate protein, adequate vitamins in with a bypass than you do with a sleeve because you're skipping part of the intestines and absorbing your nutrients. Ah, okay. okay. A switch is another step up from a bypass. So, you know, we try to tailor which opera, ultimately we let the patients pick which one they believe in. Because I think all three work mm-hmm. and the tool that you believe is the correct tool is the one that you're going to do well with. If I sweet talk you into something you don't want, you don't believe in it, you're not going to do as well with it as you would if I had done what, you know, what really would have been the best operation, the one you wanted. So, yeah. um, so we let the patients pick, but the switch uh, like I said, which we just started to do, that really is the the Cadillac for diabetes. Mm-hmm. But you also have to have a patient who has the ability to really make good choices all the time, who can get the vitamins, get the protein, who has reliable follow-up. So it is not an operation for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, so, because we really don't know a whole bunch about the Duodonal switch. No, not really. Um, we, we've we seen a few accounts starting to pop in that have have been switched. And we talked um, to one person. And we've talked to a uh, Jenna and... Um, Doesn't matter. Yep. Anyways, Any- so uh, <laughs> the so if he, I know that if you get the sleeve, you it can always be moved into a bypass. You can always go in and change Correct. to a bypass. If yep. you get a sleeve, can you change it to a duodenal switch? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what would be kind of the signs that you would want to go from a sleeve to being switched? Um, well, let me answer the sleeve to bypass first. Okay. Um, one of the potential side effects of a sleeve is increased acid reflux. Okay. Yeah. So if patients develop a lot of acid reflux afterwards, that can lead to damage to the esophagus mm-hmm. and that can lead to changes that can become cancerous of untreated. Mm. Now there's a couple ways of fixing that. One is to convert the sleeve to a bypass that makes the acid reflux go away. Okay. Or there is a device called a Lynx, uh, which is a kind of magnetic band that you can put around the very lower end of the esophagus that basically when food comes through, it opens. When food, after it's passed, the magnets close, and so the acid can't get back up. Oh, oh um, I kind of like that. I don't, be- it's, I don't believe it is FDA approved for bariatric patients who have bariatric surgery at this point. But that data is in the FDA's hands. Uh, a couple of my colleagues have been part of those those studies, so mm. it should be FDA approved. I think they were looking at November. Oh wow! Um, okay, for the links and bariatric patients. So that will the patients that have significant reflux but really want a sleeve and not a bypass. Mm. You know, we give them the option of doing a links. You know, once November rolls around and the FDA approves it. Okay, because um, that really does a great job of cutting down on the reflux now is that something you can have in your body the whole time or are we going to have to replace is there any is well, there the enough data to know to that stay there forever okay so um i think the data is probably i think the original data was probably done 10 12 years ago so they've got 10 or 12 years of good data nice. on the links uh now i may be wrong on the number of years but it is a well-researched well-studied device that uh, has a lot of success so okay um, so that's one reason for switching from a bypass, I mean, from a sleeve to a bypass is a lot of reflux. Yeah. Um, some patients need the malabsorption of either a sleeve, I mean, of either a, a bypass or a switch in order to, uh, really get the weight loss going. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sleeves were originally designed as a stage procedure where mm-hmm. somebody was, let's say, a BMI of 75, a bypass or a switch is a very difficult operation on somebody with that high BMI. Yeah. So they would get sleeved first, lose 150, 200 pounds, and then convert it to a bypass or a switch to get them the rest of the way they needed to lose. Okay. Um, now, we found over time that people did a lot of people did very well with this, you know, with the sleeve. and can lose three or four hundred pounds just to sleeve alone. They never need wow. to be converted. But there are some patients who, after a couple hundred pounds, the weight loss just kind of stalls no matter what you do, and then you end up needing to convert them to something different. Okay. So good to know. Yeah. Um, but specifically switching to 
from a sleeve to a switch. I think the main reason would be if they need that malabsorption and they really just don't want a bypass for whatever reason. Okay. Or if their diabetes worsened despite they lost weight with the sleeve, then you can switch them and that really helps with the, with the diabetes. Okay. Wow. That's a that's a lot of options. <laughs> that is a lot, a lot of options. Well, so what about like if somebody regains and they so do they have the option to go back in and, and change to like yes. a bypass or the switch? Yes. Now a lot of weight regain is things sneaking back in the diet that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, we train all our patients to start journaling their food from day one. Um, there's a lot of apps out there. The one that uh, we love the most, uh, it's called my fitness pal mm-hmm. where you can really, and but there's 50 or hundred apps out there. Yeah. Whichever one patient likes better is fine. Right. I, do, um, I use the my fitness pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's very easy to use. It knows what's in everything you eat. As long as you're honest with the portion size, mm. you can track everything for you. Um, but uh, if patients regain weight, the first thing we look at is diet. Mm-hmm. Because okay. switching to a different operation, if they don't improve their diet, rarely leads to success. Okay. Right. But once we got the diet fixed, then we could switch from either a sleeve to a bypass or a sleeve to a uh, switch. Okay. Um, you know, we still see a fair amount of bands, so we're switching a lot of them from bands to sleeves or bands mm-hmm. to bypasses mm-hmm. uh, to get the weight off. Okay. And are you finding a lot of uh, the band patients have the regain, more regain? Um, it varies person to person. Okay. Um, the band, and this is obviously my opinion, not fact, but... Mm-hmm. The band was a very, very, very well-marketed device mm-hmm. um, that the company did an amazing job with hiring spokesmen <laughs> and celebrities having the band who sold it. And unfortunately, it was so oversold that a lot of patients looked at it as, oh, well, I can just you know, get a little bit of fluid in if I want to lose five pounds. Then if I want to go on a cruise, I can get some, you know, some fluid taken out mm. and I can really do it myself. Well, the problem is healthy things like meats and vegetables, they tend to go down as bigger pieces. Unhealthy things like milkshakes and French fries tend to go down easily. Mm. So the patient will say, well, just tighten my band, tighten my band, I'll lose weight. Well, no, tightening your band is just going to drive you towards a worse diet and you're going to gain weight instead of lose weight. Oh. So the band, like I said, it was just way over-marketed and sold to everyone who wanted to lose between five pounds and 500 pounds. Mm. And then a lot of bands were put in by places that all they did was put in bands and really offered no education beforehand, no follow-up afterwards. Mm. And so patients didn't really have the tools necessary to be successful with their band. Yeah, like with my with my brother, he did the lap band first. And then when he got the sleeve, it was funny because within like a within a week, he's like, this restriction is completely different. And I go, yeah. And he's like, oh yeah. He's all before. If all long as I could get it past the band, I can eat whatever I wanted. And he's like, with this, that's not happening. Like it is a stop and I'm in pain and I'm in pain for a while. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yes, sorry, Bob, let's not, (laughs) this is not something you want to play with. Yes. Um, And then I I want to touch base too with like, 
with someone say that they don't lose weight, like say they, they lost 200, now they're at a stall for a while. Are you guys finding any like common um, like statistics of like why that's happening? Or is it just like genetics? Um, I think our body likes to be in homeostasis. It doesn't really mm-hmm. like to lose weight. So what we typically do is somebody solves is first look at diet, make sure diet's pretty good. But if they've lost 200 pounds, they know what they're doing. Diet right. Mm-hmm. Then we tend to really talk more about sleep. Are they getting adequate sleep? Mm-hmm. We look at exercise. Are they um, they're challenging their body three or four times a week with some kind of physical activity? Okay. Um, and we're big on changing up what you're doing. You know, I tell a lot of our patients if we, I live, we live right on the beach here in Florida. You know, if we took a mile offshore and told you to swim in, if you can't swim, you'd burn a whole lot of calories trying to swim in. Mm-hmm. If we put Michael Phelps out there, he'd probably burn about 10 calories swimming in because he's so efficient at swimming mm-hmm. with somebody who can't swim is not. Okay. So if you walk the same two miles every day when you're not used to walking, you're getting a lot of benefit from it. On the other hand, when you do it for the hundredth time, your body's very used to walking that same, you know, two miles at the same pace. You're getting not nearly as much benefit. So we tell them, change the speed. Go hard mm. for two minutes and easy for two minutes. Or if you live near a hill or here in Florida, a bridge, walk the bridge. Just that incline is changing the stimulus. Yeah. And that kind of gets your, often gets your body kind of back into the weight loss mode. Okay. So, That's a great analogy. What the, 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 the swimming, the swimming. Yeah. Like, cause that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know, Michael Phelps is going to, he's going to be, it's going to be easy for him. He's just going right. to glide right through, but yeah. you, you're going to use a lot more force and a lot more calories, yeah. a lot more effort, a yeah. lot more effort. <laughs> yeah. And so that makes complete sense. I, I think that's why the couch to 5k is so popular mm-hmm. because yeah. you're increasing every time yep. you go. Yep. Yep. And so your your workout is never the same as mm-hmm. it was the day before. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I, I still want to do that. I need to get on that. I know. <laughs> I want to do it too. We keep saying we're going to do it, and then we don't do it. <laughs> I know. I know. Trust well, you me. You got to do it. You got to pick a goal that challenges you. You know, if you've never done a five k, sign up for a five k. Mm-hmm. The energy that morning when you're standing at the starting line and ready to go is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. We signed up like you've never had before. Um, Yeah. Because I signed up with you right before COVID hit. Like we had the yeah, we had like Mm -hmm. a like the color run or something like that. Yeah, we were going to do a color run. Yeah. Yeah. But then COVID hit and they're like cancel. And I'm like, yeah, I still they're starting to do them again. Well, it's also like now, like we can just do our own 5K. So it's like not even a thing. Like I don't have to be around people to do it. But but yeah, sign up for event. I know. Because then it forces us to do it, Melanie. It's true. It's true. It's something to look forward <laughs> hey, to. Hey, yeah. Put it out on your podcast. Tell yeah. Your, your listeners you know, who live up there near you guys, you're doing it, invite them to come join you. Yeah. Oh, that we've actually talked about for yes. sure to do. Because yes. that would be a blast. Yeah. It would be really yeah. fun because exercise mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. So important. Yes. Um, can you tell them why exercise is so important <laughs> post-op? I mean, a thousand different reasons. One, you get endorphins. So you feel good after you exercise. Mm-hmm. Two, it empowers you. You've done something to help yourself that day. Three, I try to tell all my patients, turn the phone off or put it on airplane mode where the world can't call you. Mm-hmm. That is your 30 minutes 
for you to have some me care time. And whether it's yoga or swimming or running or walking or whatever exercise that you want to do, if you want to do it, you'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's your time to dedicate your mental health time and physical health time, you know, where the world can't disturb you. From a physical standpoint, you know, if you're moving, you're increasing your cardiovascular fitness, you live longer. Mm-hmm. If you're lifting weight, you're building lean muscle mass, which burns calories and helps you, one, look good, and two, <laughs> helps you, you know, to live longer also and to be stronger. Um, three, if you do it as a group activity, then you're looking forward to spending time with your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I also swim at the YMCA here locally, and there's often uh, water aerobics classes in there. And those folks who are in the water aerobics class, they're having the best time ever. <laughs> I love that. The water aerobics classes. So they look so much fun. So They are fun, uh, by the way. I did those for a while, and they were a blast. Because, <laughs> like, you're floating, and you can do all these fun, like, underwater stuff with your legs. and Yeah, yeah it's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Got music going, and mm-hmm. they're, they're having going down. They're, like, in it. That's They're so in it. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't feel uncomfortable. That still is like, I was like the youngest one there going, but like those ladies were so nice and they're all <laughs> yeah. like actually in it to like work out. So it was nice to be around people yeah. that like, they didn't care. They're just like, yeah, come hang out. Let's go. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'll teach you the moves. Yeah. <laughs> like, just don't go too far. Like, like you're short. So let's not get you past like five foot area and put some floaties on you and you'll be good. Yeah. That's funny. That was the first like NSV that I had actually thinking about it was I got to swim across the pool and you know, where like they um, have the Mm -hmm. walk-ups ladders. We would go over there and we'd pull and then we come back. And I was able to do the full rotation after like a couple of times. And I was like, this is fun. Like, Yeah. 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 I always liked it when I was in like my boot camp classes mm-hmm. and like you could always like I could tell like, oh, this is getting a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Like I can yeah. actually keep up with this. Yeah. <sighs> I miss those classes. We're going. I know. Um, so talking about exercise, how long do you recommend your patients wait until they're cleared for the gym? I like, we get them up walking that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I clear them to go back to whatever cardio they want to do okay. as soon as they feel up to it. We don't want them swimming for two weeks. Just we don't want outside dirty water on the incisions till we see them. Okay. Um, but in terms of yoga, walking, riding a bike, Stairmaster, whenever they feel up to it, getting up and moving tells your brain, yeah, I had surgery, I'm sore, but I'm okay. I can get back to life. I can, you know, we encourage them to go back to work fairly quickly also, unless it's a, you know, have to lift heavy at work, mm-hmm. um, that we typically make them wait somewhere, you know, four weeks or so before they're lifting weights. Okay. Um, but exercise is so mentally healthy for you that we encourage them to get back to their normal activities as fast as they can. Oh, I like awesome. that. That's good to know. Okay. With your type of surgery, um, is it all liposcopic? 99% of them are, yes. Okay. okay. Every once in a while, you get somebody who's had a whole bunch of previous abdominal surgeries, and you just can't safely get in laparoscopically, but that is very, very rare. Okay. So that's like the scar tissue is just too... Yep. Okay. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, And then I was going to ask, for, or well, comment. So yeah. you had said that when you lift weights, you're building muscle and all and lean muscle and 
I was going to point out, because when you're losing weight as quickly as we do, you tend to lose a lot of muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. So it's very important for us to do weightlifting as soon as we are able to build that back. Okay. I just want to point that out. Especially for women also, women tend to get osteoporosis, um, which is basically a weakening of the bones as we get older. Mm -hmm. That is certainly linked to muscle mass. So women lifting weights, many studies show that it helps prevent women from getting brittle bones or osteoporosis as they get older. Um, I did not know that. Uh, I did. I did. Well, aren't you smart? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) So what's your favorite surgery to do? Uh, I'd say probably the sleeve is my favorite operation. Okay. Um, because a lot of them are outpatients nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, the patients tend to have a smoother recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that the other operations, there's major issues. Every surgery has small risk to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the sleeves, they tend to get back to work quicker, get back to normal activity quicker. Um, you know, it's three months out, everything is kind of evened out, but for the first few weeks, the sleeves, they're a little tight. So they have a little trouble swallowing. Mm-hmm. You have them breaking out a little bit in speaking medicine cups or shot glasses initially until the swelling goes down. Okay. But kind of once you're done with that part, then, uh, it's pretty smooth sailing for most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the bypasses, uh, a little bumpier initially in some of them, but, okay. Uh, and I guess also just a little bigger operation, a little more risk. So I get a little less sleep worrying about the bypass patients than I do the sleep patients. Okay. Uh, the switches we're really just starting into. So I don't have, you know, years and years of experience with the uh, switches. Um, but I'll say the sleeve is my favorite. Okay. All right. Is there a common, like, I know it sounds bad, but like a complications, like, is there something that's like, if they're looking ill, like, do you know right away? Like, Oh, that's probably this. Well, the the risks, bleeding, infection, injury to the structures around there. You've okay. got the liver, the spleen, mm-hmm. um, your intestines, the colon right near where you're working. Mm-hmm. Uh, those risks are very, very small. Um, the biggest, or one of the risks is blood clots. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to give people blood thinners before surgery. If there's any family history or personal history of blood clots, then we have to see a blood clotting specialist beforehand to help minimize that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, any surgery, a little bit of stress on the heart. Most of the bariatric patients uh, have seen a cardiologist, uh, depending on their age and their BMI, but most of them have seen a cardiologist to get cleared before surgery. The leak is the one that everybody really worries about. Mm-hmm. And that basically is where the staples for the staple line didn't close properly or one area didn't have good enough blood supply. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of things that can be done to minimize that. If you look across the nation, the risk is about one to one and a half percent. Oh, but still, for that small percent, that can be very, very serious. Yeah. Um, so, I know I was super, super scared yeah, of the leak, like way beyond scared. Yeah. <laughs> and now, after seeing the surgery, like watching Dr. Dovak, I'm like, there's no reason to be so scared. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess I was thinking because, like, now that we've watched it, we call it like the gator. Mm-hmm. We call that thing as like the stapler that's going around and the cauterizing. The gator, yeah. 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 And so 
I was thinking like, okay, like I was thinking of like a scar. So if I have like a scar on like if Kelly has a cut here, then I would sew it up. So I was like, wait, do they really like cut off and then they're sewing? Where's all the bile go? Like I don't like I couldn't wrap my head around like where does all the acid and like all the things that break down food in your stomach where the hell does it go? So now it makes more sense that it, well, no, it doesn't go anywhere. And that's the the reason why we did the the live surgeries yes. because a lot of people have those same questions. Mm-hmm. And yes. I know when we went in and watched the surgery, I was like, wait a minute, because <laughs> I was expecting like blood spurting, and I was expecting like this <laughs> like gruesome Grey's Anatomy type of right. surgery, and then it's like this clear. You can Very see clean. everything. Everything's clean. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. This isn't what I signed up for. I know. We barely saw. Like, I don't even, even saw any blood. <laughs> Not really. No. No. Yeah. no. It's very clean. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's a good really thing. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a really good it's thing. A good thing. But that's why I was so nervous about the leak because I was like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. So so just so everybody, if you're listening to this, yes. we do have two. We have both the sleeve and the bypass on our YouTube page. Go you watch it. Go over and watch it. And if you're concerned about any of it, it kind of eases your mind. Even for those squeamish folks, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. So Mm-mm. just remember. Watch it before you have surgery. Yeah. It'll lay so many of your fears and you kind of know what's going on in there. Uh-huh. We we heard from several couple, people yeah. that they mm-hmm. were like, I was kind of worried about the bypass, but now now it kind of <laughs> eased my brain or my yeah. my mind a little bit because I can see like it's it's not that big like it's a big deal it's surgery but right. it's not as scary as you make it up in your head to be right because we're not doctors like no we are not no we're not because that's the deal is like in my head I'm like okay the bypass we're going to reroute everything and like mm-hmm. think of it like plumbing which I know like it kind of is but not mm-hmm. in the same sense but it's you know it's like organic tissue so it's completely different it is it is so I'm like oh yeah I'm not a doctor don't know how that works I wish I would have asked my yeah, surgeon. I wish that I could have watched a surgery beforehand because I would have ch- chosen the bypass. I think I would have, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was very scared about the rerouting. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I just want the sleeve. Yep. And now watching it, I'm like, oh, OK, I could have gotten the bypass and it would have been fine. Would have been totally fine. Yeah. Because I have a lot of acid reflux because I've had um, the hole in my stomach. Ulcer. I've had several ulcers. I had... GERD, I had all of that fun stuff. It's pretty it's pretty controlled with medication. And that's the only reason why my surgeon was like, I will do the sleeve on you, but only because it is controlled <laughs> with medication. But I'm like, I, it would have been nice. Yeah, I think it would have been gone without. Look, look into yeah. the links. Hmm? Look into the links. Look into that link links. Procedure. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I have, have it written next, down. The magnetic bands. Yeah, okay. that is that will, I think, will become game-changing over the next five years for bariatric patients. Okay. Oh, cool. That's good to know. Yeah, I like for, that. Because I know a lot of people have GERD and acid, bad yep. acid reflux, and then you're kind of forced into choosing the bypass instead of right. getting the sleeve and vice versa. So, yeah. So, I'm... I think we're just going to start asking this to all bariatric surgeons. I know we have to talk ask Dr. D this, too, because yes. we keep getting this question of... How come we were able to stretch out our stomachs prior to surgery, but we're not able to after sleeve surgery? Yes. Well, the stomach, you know, basically is designed to expand uh, as you eat food. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, it's possible if one overeats to stretch one's stomach. It's possible to stretch a sleeve or bypass if someone overeats. 
but we're basically taking and removing with the sleeve somewhere 75% of the stomach. Mm -hmm. So you're going from you know, football to basically a big banana. Mm -hmm. So as long as you stay on, you know, we teach our patients a salad plate long-term, not a big dinner plate anymore. Mm -hmm. so as long as you mentally can handle a salad plate and then you're done, then you don't end up stretching your, your uh, sleeve out. But yes, we do see some patients who have stretched their sleeves. Uh, we have to go back and either trim the sleeve or uh, there's some procedures by gastroenterologists that can kind of go in and put some stitches on the inside to help shrink it. Okay. Um, so it is possible. Bypass. So it is possible. Yeah, it is possible. Okay. Okay. It is possible. Good to know because that's like everyone's biggest question. Yes. They all want to know about stretching their sleeve and what to do if they do stretch their sleeve and how do they know that they stretch their sleeve? It's, right. it's very um, all about the stretching. Yeah, because they're, I mean, I get it because like we had big stomachs before walking in. So, yeah, but when you look at like, because I'll think, oh God, I've overeaten. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I look back and I'm like, okay, but before I could have eaten two hamburgers. Oh, yeah. Right. Plus yeah. fries, plus uh, everything else. And now I'm eating like, half right maybe a little over right. half mm -hmm. you know like last night boyfriend made hamburgers delicious i ate about a little over half yeah and i'm like oh, i ate so much <laughs> and then i look back and i'm like You're like no no not really yeah. not compared to before so i think i'm okay oh yeah i think i think we have to like really look at it as that so that way you don't start that negative talk because mm -hmm. I know I've totally have done that to myself and I've been like wait no hold on that actually took me four hours to finish this thing <laughs> that is I okay, think I'm okay. Yeah. that is okay it is okay and I didn't that. have all the things prior to it mm -hmm. you know like there's no appetizers anymore mm -hmm. so and I'm not having that dessert after too with like so all the whole com combination so is so different it's, it's just so funny just the protein. Um, the protein what's man. your biggest advice for a patient yeah. post-op. Well, let's do advice pre-op and post-op. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, pre-op is to really work on your diet, to get used to the low-carb diet, because mm -hmm. that is what you're going to be on the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, if you go back to a high-carb diet, you very likely will put a weight back in. Mm -hmm. Okay. For both pre and post op, is ask questions. Mm. Ask your surgeon if you got a thousand questions. Ask a thousand questions. Make sure that you're comfortable what's going on both before and after. Don't be don't be shy to call. If you got a question, call the office. Yeah, ninety nine percent of questions that are called in is stuff that the, the staff handles every day and they can answer in two seconds. But your surgeon is happy to call you back or respond via you know text or email or whatever other communication form. To answer your question, this is what they are passionate about. Mm -hmm. This is what they love doing. They love helping patients. You're not bothering your doctor. If if you feel you're bothering your doctor, you find yourself a different doctor. Um, oh, because okay. that's somebody who doesn't care about you, who just is in it for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in my 23-ish years of operating, I can think of maybe four or five patients that I thought were completely excessive in the amount of staff time, everybody else's time they took up. But, uh, you know, and that's out of yeah, that's tens a, of thousands of patients now. Yeah. yeah. So um, we do this because we love doing it. We feel very fortunate to get to do what we do. It's an honor to take care of somebody that, that you're putting your trust in our hands. 
So ask the questions. You're not bothering the doctor. You're not bothering the staff. They are there because they want to help you. If they don't know what your questions are, you know, we all go through our education beforehand that covers most of the questions. Mm -hmm. But you're you. You're not the next person who's having surgery. You're you. You should get your Mm -hmm. questions answered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You really should because I should have asked so many more questions. Yeah. I mean, and I was prepared. Like, I had my binder. I had it highlighted. I had sticky notes with questions, like, written and, like, in the—and I still— I'm not I was not prepared like I didn't ask enough questions Mm -mm. because I think I thought the same thing like I didn't want to bug my surgeon even though my surgeon's amazing and she would have answered the questions I just felt odd asking them so knowing that that you guys are there like so everybody out there ask the questions yeah and go to your appointments guys <laughs> i can stress that more because like i after a year i barely went to them like i was supposed to and i feel like mm-hmm. um you know when i hit my stalls and stuff we could have done something a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and maybe had my surgeon yep. talk to me about like all the things beforehand mm-hmm. so go, yeah. to your do- go to your appointments yeah go to your appointments and there's so much education beforehand that we can't cover all the post-op stuff so if you're skipping your six months, one year, 18 months, you know, whatever long-term appointments, you're missing out on all the education that comes at that point. Yeah. Um, and listen to podcasts like this, you know, do research online about uh, the different options. Talk to your friends or family. Most practices have a support group. Join mm-hmm. a support group. Go, you know, you're welcome whether you had surgery, at least with us, you're welcome whether you had surgery with us to surgery somewhere else. If mm-hmm. you want surgery or never want surgery, you're welcome to come and contribute to the group and learn from the group. Wow. Oh, I like that. I forgot yeah. that there is some support groups just near us. Mm-hmm. So, well, we're actually going to do one for my office. Yes, we are. Next month. Mm-hmm. We're really excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my my old my office, my, not my old office. I still go there. Um, they do two support groups virtual a month. So there's one day class in the in the early in the month. And then later on, mm-hmm. there's a night class. So anybody who can't attend the morning can go to the evening and vice versa. So we're going to we're going to talk about our our journeys yeah we're gonna do both both sessions too so So it'll be really fun but um i had another question okay it was in my head and then i lost it because i talked about sport groups (laughs) 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 i get distracted easily so all um what my main question is for you is like how does it work in your office does it take is it always like a six-month program is it three-month program like how does it work where you're at or is it more based Um, on insurance uh, insurance rules the world. Um, so we follow what insurance says, but we do a minimum of three months. Okay. Uh, even if somebody comes in with a suitcase of money and says, I want to start tomorrow. No, we still do three months of education because if you don't understand why you're making the changes, if you don't start mm-hmm. to make them beforehand, every study shows you're not going to be successful long term. Um, so we do the three months of education. Mm-hmm. Um we are in the process of kind of switching how we do our education. We've always done it in-house. Uh, we're part of the uh, group with Betsy Dovek and Gus Bello. I know you guys have met them. Yes. Um, and so we're switching to a lot of more of an online, kind of a module-based program, um, which I think is going to have its pros and cons. But mm-hmm. I think for most patients, it's much easier. They can do it at 2 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to have some, you know, 
space on office visits also to answer questions and make sure that the patients not just comprehend what's being taught, mm. but truly are making the changes that need to be made. Um, so, and then we typically, everybody has to get a psychological evaluation beforehand okay. that's mandated by every insurance company. Mm. Hours, a lot of them see GI if they have any reflux symptoms so we can help them figure out what the best option is. Uh, a lot of them have sleep apnea. And so we do a, a questionnaire at the beginning to see what their score is on that test. And if it's high enough, they have to see a doctor to see if they have sleep apnea. Okay. Um, a lot of them have heart issues. Uh, so we get cardiac clearance on a lot of them. So, And then once they're losing weight, making the dietary changes, uh, have had all their clearances, then we pick a date for sure. Okay. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I have a question about food. Um, okay. How many carbs do you recommend for a post-op bariatric patient to have in a day? Our standard answer is 80 grams of carbs a day. Okay. Um. That is, like I said, that's our standard answer for most patients. Okay. Now, obviously, if somebody's going to start doing Ironmans or running marathons, yes. But then we need to time the carbs around the exercise, not just increase the carbs at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so it, it, it can get very specific depending on the, what the patient wants. And, okay. You know, but we tell those 80 grams of carbs need to be healthy source of carbs. Mm-hmm. Fruits, berries, things like that. Okay. Not, you know, cinnamon toast crunch cereal in the morning. That is not healthy carbs. Um, as much as we want it to be, it will never happen, folks. Exactly. That, <laughs> is, that is not a healthy carb. It is my favorite um, life cereal, but no more. Yeah. No more. Yeah. No more. No, no mm-hmm. more. So. And anytime I try to eat cereal or soup, which y'all know how I feel about soup. We hate soup. I think it's stupid. Um, <laughs> it's like, who are you? What are you trying to be? Are you a liquid? Are you solid? <sighs> After bariatric surgery, you can't drink and eat at the same time. So nope. how does this work? Yeah, no. It doesn't work, it people. Doesn't work. Not for us? <laughs> doesn't mesh. <laughs> Just leave the soup and the cereal out. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I'm crazy. <laughs> I have a problem with soup and cereal. I don't get it. I, just, I thought you had thought you were going there with something. No, that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just... Griping about soup and cereal. That's that's where I'm at right now. I will say I've noticed when I've tried to go back to cereal, it does not taste as good. Mm, it is not no, the it same. Doesn't. It's mm-hmm. so different. Your it's like shocked by all that sugar. Yeah, I'm like, mm. damn it, it's not good anymore. Mm. Yep. No. Yeah, I can't have my O's anymore because of that. And I love those O's. Yeah, they're so bad for you. Yeah, There's I didn't so know much that. Sugar in didn't there. realize. I mean, it was it was honey note, honey nut. That's what I justified it as. Honey, honey nut. nut, honey nut cereal. <laughs> Um, we were actually talking about um, soda in our support group. So we have a support group that we run off at Facebook uh-huh. um, and our Patreons. Um, Patreon.com forward slash OSLP. Shameless plug. $7 um, tier. <laughs> so everybody can be in our in our group chat and they chat all day long. Yeah. And we pipe in when we can. But they like have this constant going. It's and so they much were fun. Talking, it is. They were talking about how much sugar is in soda. Oh, my God, guys. Yeah. It's so bad. And it, like, seeing the numbers, mm-hmm. like, really shock your system. Because I think we 
all lived in a, a state of like ignorance with the food yes. that we were eating. Like we don't want to know the carbs. Yes. We don't want to know the calories. We don't want to know the sugar. Yeah, because if you don't tell me, I don't know. And then I can't like, I, then I can just make bad decisions. I can all justify long. it. Yep. I'll be like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. No. It can't hurt me if I don't know what it is, right? Exactly. So, yeah, they were all talking about how once they you start realizing it, it's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't need to be in my diet. You uh, you go yeah. over there. Yeah, because one of the ladies was saying, like, because she would get, like, a big gulp every mm-hmm. day. And, like, it has enough sugar to last for, like, days of what someone yeah, should be having. a couple days. So it's kind of crazy. That's, that's why we teach the journaling. We tell the patients, you know, start taking your phone with you to the grocery store. Punch mm-hmm. stuff in before you put it in your buggy and see how many grams of carbs or sugar are truly in each serving. And then you realize, oh, mac and cheese is not healthy. Mm-mm. You know, a regular Coke is not healthy. Um, you can start making good choices before you ever bring it home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Once you bring it home, it's going to get eaten. But if yeah. you don't buy it, you're not going to eat it. Exactly. Oh, seriously. Yes. And go around the outside of the grocery yep. store because that's all the foods yep. you should be eating mm-hmm. not yep. the processed in the middle i mean as much as some of those are just really good you just can't <laughs> it's like cereal yeah just don't go don't go near you it just don't go mm-hmm. you just don't go there yeah i got into yep. a habit after surgery that i would pick something up off the shelf and i would turn around and look at it and most of the time i'm like nope, nope. You're going to stay yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Even the, the healthy foods. And for you guys that aren't yeah. watching this YouTube video, I'm using quotation marks <laughs> because pe- brands like to say, oh, it's healthy. Oh, it's it's, it's organic. organic. Yeah, it's organic, and so like, low oh, carb. It's really good no for fat. me. And if you actually flip it around and look at it. Half of the ingredients, it's all processed. Well, my favorites are the ones that say, like, no fat when there shouldn't even be fat in the first place. I'm like, no shit, huh? Like, <laughs> awesome. Great branding. I wonder who was at that table that day. I was like, they're you like, know what? we can just sneak this by Americans. Let's just sell them. I mean, you can. <laughs> Anyways. So I think my last thing that I have for you, I don't know if you have any more questions. Nope, you're good. Um, I just wanted to get the carbs. Yeah. The carb number. The carb number. Because it does vary, I've noticed, but it sounds like everyone's been yes. anywhere between like 70 to 90 is like 50 to 80. Is, is it where where you're, yeah, 50 yeah. to 80 is where I'm usually seeing most most surgeons recommend. Because I thought it was like 20 at least per meal. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought anyway. it was 50 a day, but or at the low end. At the low at end. The low end. I mean, it, we have to find something patients can live with also. Yeah, you know, if somebody will live at eighty. Great, but somebody can go down at sixty and live their normal life. You know, be able to occasionally go out to dinner with friends and make a healthy choice at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly fine with sixty, but eighty. We found that if you're making a concerted effort, you can live at eighty. If you're okay. trying to get down under fifty, now you're really having to make significant life choices. To stay under 50 consistent. Okay. And you know, we're in this for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years for our patients, not the next three months. Yeah. Good call. So we Good call. Design something for them that fits in their lifestyle. And some patients take it under 100. Okay. 100 is better than 300. Mm. So, oh, totally. But 80 is the number we throw out there just to throw a number out. 
Okay. Well, and I noticed if I get too low of carbs, like my like mental clarity is it's like I can't function sometimes. So I'm like, why don't I like I normally can just do this job with nobody's business. But right now I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. And it's I noticed my pro. I need to go have some food. Like that's the problem. Like it's protein. Yeah. I haven't I haven't had any carbs that day. It's like, OK, you need something like fuel. Yep, Something to put in your body. Well, and- an accident's very real. There's something called the blood brain barrier. And it's very hard for fats to get across the blood brain barrier to fuel your brain. Your brain really needs carbs in order to be fueled. Now, that's not 300 grams of carbs a day, but if you cut it too low, as you said, you do lose that mental clarity. That's um, the blood. You know, also why, you know, when you're, if you're trying to starve yourself, people tend to get very, very angry at the smallest things. They just can't control their emotions mm. because their brain is just not getting enough food in order to do its normal functions. So is the blood brain barrier barrier. Okay. Blood brain barrier. I've never heard of someone just like describe it that way. Yeah. I really like that. It does. Cause like, I, I know like we always say like, um, we're feeling stupid. So we're like, we need to go (laughs) and get like some food. I was like, I need some protein Mm -hmm. stat. Yeah. I need something to eat because I'm getting real stupid real quick, real quick, man. Yeah. So I think, um, with that, uh, the carbs, you want to have it more in the morning, correct? Because then it fuels you more during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Versus yep. eating it at night and then going to sleep. Yep. Okay. Well, and that's why he touched base, I think, with the whole, like, let's move some carbs around workouts because, like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the deal. It fuels you, you get the energy, right. and then you burn it off. Well, and you can have some before a workout. Use that yeah. to to work out, and then you have some right. after to fuel your body. Right. You okay. Re- replenish. Replenish. That's replenish. the term. Yeah. I, I'm impressed that you said that correctly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> well, well, this preface the fact of like, I come from like a family that never corrected anybody of their language. So I said some really ridiculous stuff for a very long time. And now I tell them like, just correct me because I had no idea. Yeah. We've had, we've had some laughs. I mean, Melanieisms, drawl, drinked, like it's just not good. Yeah. It's, just it's just not good. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I went like 20 years of life of saying things wrong and no one corrected me. My favorite, and I will always say this, my favorite is cork. So oh, quirks, like weird random things that you do. So bad. Um, are quirks. And mm-hmm. she, we were talking about it. And so she wrote this post all about how she had many quirks, yeah. like quirks that go in a wine Apparently bottle. Apparently I have a lot of wine bottle quirks. Yeah. And I'm like, why is she talking about corks? Like, I don't understand what she's talking. And then I realized that she thought it was the same word. Yep. 100%. So, yep. 100%. And that will still forever be my favorite Melanieism. That's totally fine because I, yes. I said it a lot during that post. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> and I just let her go. <laughs> it was so bad. No one corrected me. That's my problem. See, no correct, one said anything. I, I corrected you after, but it was funny while it was oh, happening. No, I count. I count on you. You always do. You're you're the one. You're the one. Yeah. But I think my my last question for you is is like, what? I guess we kind of already answered. That. Like, what made you become a bariatric mm-hmm. surgeon? Yeah. So we maybe, answered that in the beginning. Maybe I don't have. <laughs> All right. I'm well, sorry. Do you have any questions for, for us? us? Yes. No. Just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are awesome. Oh. The 
entertainment value is great. The information is amazing. Uh, a lot of patients out there benefiting from you guys. So keep doing it. Thank you oh, so thank much. You. We appreciate that more than you know. It we really, really, really do. Yeah, it means yeah. the world to us knowing that we're we're making a difference. And I'm so happy that we got to finally like meet you and talk to you. Like it's so beneficial when we can actually talk mm-hmm. to surgeons and not just surgeons that like do the surgery that actually care. Mm-hmm. Cuz you can we've talked to people and you can you can tell mm-hmm. the ones that don't have the good bedside manner and just are like I'm Let's just get this done. And yeah. then we have the others that are like really like about the patient. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have have you on and talk to you. So yes. thank you for coming. Thank you for it's making been it. an honor to be on your podcast. Awesome. All right, guys. That was Dr. Burkadal. Burkadal. Yes. Uh, I was so nervous about that one. But <laughs> it was awesome to have you on the podcast. And you guys... He's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We will make sure to tag him in the posts. Yes. And so you can go and follow him. Amazing, amazing. I love it. Yeah, go so check much. out his stuff. And if you have any questions, I'm sure he will be more than happy to help. Yes. So. And you can always ask us or and we can forward it on or you can go straight to the source. Right. And if you want to watch. Contact us through Instagram. I ask them all personally. So. Oh, perfect. Oh, good. That actually is a big deal because people are it like, is. wait, they're answering. Mm-hmm. It's nice. They really like it. And if you guys want to watch this, you know what? Go to YouTube and go ahead and hit subscribe while you're there. And, and the little bell. And the little bell. So it notifies you that we're here. Uh, the more people that subscribe, the more that we'll get out there, the more that we'll break the stigma of weight loss surgery. Mm-hmm. So go do that now because that is a free way of supporting us so that way we can help other people. So thank you so much. Yes. All right. Thank you guys. And we will see you next time. Bye. Hey listeners, if you've enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcasts. Also check us out on patreon.com forward slash OSLP for exclusive content with your favorite girls ever. Yeah. And also check out our YouTube page. Subscribe, hit that little bell so you get notified when our new videos drop a week after they are released. Yeah, and we would like to give a big thank you to Anne-Marie Cruz for our logos, Eric Vaughn with 17th Street Studios because he provides our music and our recording yes, space. Thanks for listening to Our Sleeve Live podcast where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time.